This is Film Studies Bling Bling. My name is Anna Louise. I'm a postdoc at the Film University Babelsberg in Germany, and I produce this podcast. My Bling of the Month in this episode is Stefanie Eckert. She's the new manager of the DEFA Foundation. We will hear what kind of plans she has for the foundation. In the news chapter, I have another interview for you. I spoke to Kerstin Fröber on a study dealing with the reception of films in a movie theater context. And in my diary, I go on to tell you about my citizen science project. Here is my bling of the month, Stefanie Eckert. Unfortunately, the sound quality of the Skype interview is not very good. But what the new manager of the DEFA Foundation tells is very interesting. So please excuse the sound quality. Hi, Ms. Eckert. In December last year, it became known that you would take over the management of the DEFA Foundation in Berlin. I congratulate you on your new position. Oh, thank you. Um, in a few words, what is DEFA and what exactly is the task of the DEFA Foundation? Well, DEFA was the only film production company in the GDR. This means the DEFA film stock includes the entire cinematic production of the GDR film studios from almost five decades. So this includes more than 700 feature films, more than 2,000 documentaries and about 900 animation films. And the DEFA Foundation now holds the rights of these films. So we are a non-profit foundation with its seat in Berlin. And our mission is to preserve the films that were made at the DEFA studios and to use them for the public good and to support German film culture and art. What professional background and connection to DEFA film history do you have so that you thought, well, I'm applying for management of the DEFA Foundation? Well, I have been working at DEFA Foundation since 2001. I started as a simple intern and worked here as a student during my studies at the Film University in Potsdam. So 10 years ago, I became responsible for general tasks, meaning to support the managing director in all departments, especially talking about financing, digitization, legal department. And whenever there was time, I was also able to um, participate in creating retrospectives and DVD editions. And of course, this is what is the most fun in this job to actually work with the films and to deal with the filmmakers. And after all these years of working with the film stock, I feel now to be able to take over and to make decisions on my own. So you really have a strong connection to DEFA yes, history and DEFA foundation. Right. Um, you will take over the management of Ralph Schenk. You worked with him for several years now. Um, how long was he exactly managing the DEFA Foundation and what aspects of his work will you take over? Well, Ralf Schenk took over the managing position in 2012. So for the last eight years, he defined the way of the foundation And what I liked most in his work is his profound knowledge of the DEFA film stock and his ideas of how to combine like social and political issues with aesthetic aspects of the films. He knows all the anecdotes of the DEFA filmmakers and also can articulate them in the right moment. And um, I would really like to continue this work of Ralf Schenk and intensify especially one specific aspect 
because this is um, the aspect of how to consult the interested public. Because 30 years after the fall of the wall, you cannot presume that people actually know what DEFA was, how the GDR worked, and where to find information about it. So it is now more than ever important to see yourself maybe as an agent to promote important aspects in a very uncomplicated and friendly way. Uh, so this will be one of the aspects of your own course now in the future to, in a form, uh, translate the history into a modern and understandable language in the next years. Yes, exactly. To address actually people who did not grow up in the GDR, you have to find a different language to talk with them about it. But after all, the foundation promotes research on DEFA history um, as well. What will happen in this area of promoting research uh, from PhD students to postdocs and uh, professors and so on? Yeah, actually, I would like to establish to actually held once a year or every two years a conference on the research of DEFA films, because we know this, that there are all kind of institutions nationally as well as internationally working on DEFA film. And often people do not know that they are working on similar subjects. So it is very important to create a network between these researchers. And we will probably start in 2020 with a conference on DEFA genre. So we will invite researchers and authors to talk about the different aspects on how DEFA dealt with different genres and why. And we would like to continue this kind of debate in future years. Wow. So you will work as a sort of network networking central point for the research um, on DEFA history um, worldwide. Um, there's another very interesting uh, network aspect of the DEFA Foundation I found very impressive during the last years that DEFA was able to really keep DEFA heritage alive and do a lot of networking activities through the former professionals of the DEFA. For instance, through film evenings and Q&As with professionals telling from their first-hand experience with the production process in the DEFA studio. Um, and it was very interesting every time that this gave people from outside of the DEFA an opportunity to have a really deep insight into the processes. But on the other hand, as I said, former employees and artists from the DEFA studio, they come together and they're able to exchange and see each other and uh, exchange their memories and so on. So will this sort of networking work continue to be an essential part of the work of the DEFA foundation in the future? Of course, this will be one of the most important ways of trying to keep in touch with the filmmakers and to involve them in many activities. And of course, we will try to continue to support institutions and also associations that take care of those events. And I think it's also quite relevant to include the filmmakers in the academic discussions that are led on DEFA. So bring together these two networking activities, right. uh, research and professionals. Just as a final question, uh, on a more general level, what would you see as the most significant challenge in preserving film heritage in the coming years? And how can we meet these challenges? 
Well, you know, in 2019, the um, support of digitization, the German film heritage actually really started. So now we can continuously plan what films we digitize within the next few years. This was one of the most important steps of the last years for all film heritage institutions. But now we do not only face a technological change of projecting, but also a media change and at a time when consuming media becomes more and more a non-linear process we need to focus on other ways of promoting films so this is the most challenging task right now and we do have to work out um, strategies with our distributors in order to meet this challenge and bring the films to the audience Wow, thank you, Ms. Eckerd, uh, for this uh, short impulse interview. Good luck to your new position. Thank you. This is the news chapter. A colleague of mine has brought a study to my attention. The title is In the Dark Cube. Movie theater context enhances the valuation and aesthetic experience of watching films. The study was written by Kerstin Fröber from the University of Regensburg and Roland Tomaschke from the University of Freiburg. It was published in December 2019 in the paper Psychology of Aesthetics, Creativity and the Arts. I had the pleasure of talking to Kerstin Fröber about the study. Hi Kerstin, are you a cineast or how did you get the idea to deal with the reception of films in cinema? So I'm definitely a cinephile since I'm a little kid. And uh, I love to go to movies, and I was always fascinated by it. And then uh, while I was still in school, my first job was, of course, in a movie theater. And then um, while I was studying at the university, I started to volunteer at film festivals. So films and uh, cinema were always a big part of my life. Um, a lot of research has already been done on the dispositives of cinema and television, I would say. Uh, what, what, what is the novelty of your approach compared to the previous works that have already been done? Yeah, so um, when I first had this idea for the study, I started to do a literature search and I was kind of puzzled by the fact that, that there is a lot of theoretical work in it, but uh, almost none empirical work. And uh, this is where my study then came in and um, tried to add some empirical data to the ongoing discussion about whether it matters where you watch a film. And what exactly was the research question? Yeah, so the main question was whether it makes a difference if we watch a film for the first time in a movie theater or at home. And further questions? With respect to existing theories from uh, empirical aesthetics, I was interested in two outcome measures. So on the one hand side, I was interested in the emotional experience that people have while watching a film. And on the other hand, I wanted to know how they would judge the film overall. On top of that, I also measured some uh, data on general viewing habits to see whether this fits with uh, what is known from bigger surveys in my sample. And which method did you choose? So it was an experimental setting. I had a random sample 
and they were distributed to either a group that uh, was asked to watch a film in the movie theater or to watch the same film at home by online streaming. And then there was a, about two weeks later, a second phase in the experiment where, where the participants were re-invited to watch the same film again, either in the same context or in the other context. So then I had four different groups. Some um, had watched the film for the first time in the movie theater and then also for the second time in the movie theater. Then we had people who started in the movie theater, then watched at home people who started at home and then watched in the movie theater and uh, people who watched twice at home. And you did a pilot experiment at the first place before the main experiment was mm -hmm. done. Um, the pilot experiment created essential basics for the main experiment. And what were they? What was so important doing this first pilot experiment? Yeah, so to test this question, whether the context matters when you watch a film, you naturally have to make a between subjects comparison. And when you do this, it can be problematic when you have high intersubjective variation in your data because you will have a, a loss of statistical power. And therefore, I wanted to have a film that uh, is judged with relatively little variance in a random sample. So I had uh, three different films in the pilot experiment so that I could uh, choose the film with the least variance between the people for the main experiment. And the other thing was that I used a relatively new emotion questionnaire, the Estimus questionnaire, which claims to be applicable to aesthetic stimuli in the broadest sense, so not only visual art but also music and so even if you take a walk in the forest you should be able to use this questionnaire but I still wanted to make sure that it really is applicable to watching a film. Let's go a bit more into detail regarding the main experiment. Um, who were the participants? What kind of material they actually watched and um, how was the concrete procedure? I recruited um, participants from Regensburg and uh, the surrounding areas by putting up post-its on grocery stores and at the university and an ad in the local newspaper and all these kind of things. And uh, then about 100 people were interested to participate and 83 participants then finally enrolled in the study. And it was really a broad range of people. So we, we had um, students, but we also had uh, senior citizens who were already retired. There were male and female, all mixed, uh, a mixed crowd. So that was really nice. So the film that we used was uh, von Komischen Vögeln. It's by uh, the director Eike Weinreich. And it's a um, tragic comedy. And for me, it was important that it's a German film because I only tested German native speakers, that it's a film that is relatively unknown from a relatively unknown director with relatively unknown um, actors so that uh, participants don't have already a strong opinion 
beforehand. So they should um, really judge from out of the moment. And what was the procedure? I mean, they just uh, went into the cinema, watched the movie and then filled out this questionnaire. So all of the participants first started with filling out a, a questionnaire about their typical viewing habits of films. And after that, half of them were invited to come to the movie theater and watch the film there. And the other half was invited to watch it at home by online streaming according to their usual viewing habits. And I know it's a it's a very, very hard job, but nevertheless, can you try to summarize the main, the key results in, in a, just a few words? So in the first phase, so when they watched the film for the first time, we found a clear effect of cinema context. So when participants watched the film in a movie theater, they rated the film on a 1 to 10 scale about one point better and also the emotional experience was enhanced so we um, measured 21 emotions in this questionnaire and 15 of them had higher intensity in the movie theater and only one emotion had a higher intensity when they watched it at home, which was boredom, which is quite interesting. And then at the second phase of the experiment, we found a persisting effect of the cinema context. So when you watch the film for the first time in a movie theater, you still had a better time when you watched it the second time and then irrespectively of the context. So even when you started in a movie theater and then, then rewatched it at home, you still had an uh, emotionally increased experience. And to what extent can these results be relevant, for instance, for the movie theater industry or for us as movie fans? I guess that uh, movie theaters could use it for promotional purposes because it clearly shows that you will have a better experience if you go to the movies. And also for the movie fans, of course, it's uh, of interest because you also see that even when you rewatch it at home, it will have a positive effect if you have watched it the first time in a movie theater. Um, did you get any feedback on your work yet? I mean, it was published in December, but maybe there was some feedback already? Yeah, so there was a press release from the university. And uh, after that, I did some interviews with local newspapers. There was also an article on Welt.de. And uh, I did uh, a few radio interviews. So there's uh, a lot of interest in, in the public, yeah. Wow. And what form of follow-up study would you like to see? I mean, are you planning perhaps uh, another study on the subject uh, yourself to, to build up, um, on these results you already produced with your study? Yeah, I would love to continue this line of research and I have a lot of ideas about how to continue. And for example, I often get the question about now, what, what's the reason for this effect? And then I always only can say, okay, we, we just can speculate on this right now because uh, the experiment was not designed to give an answer to that question. So there's definitely a lot of uh, need for future research, but right now, of course, uh, I will have to do with funding first. <laughs> it's always about resources and I'm working on that. 
So I wish you all the best with uh, the application process you have to do now to go on with your work on this very, very interesting study. And then we go into the cinema, definitely, the next time. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kirsten. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you have a study you want to report on, or another big or small diamond in the field of film studies that should be mentioned in one of the podcast sections, please write an email to me. You can find contact details on my project website, filmische-stadt.projekte-filmuni.de. Or you can find me on the webpage of the Film University. I look forward to reporting on your pearls from film studies. And here is my Dear Diary chapter. Last time I reported that my citizen science project was an enormous amount of work. The preparation was very elaborate. But was the effort worth it? I would say definitely yes. But it was different to what I expected. An example. I selected and set up an app for the project, which should enable citizens to report their cinematic finds easily via mobile phone. However, most of the reports did not come via the app, but via email or verbally in meetings with people. But the advantage of this deviation from the survey design is that, through these contacts with the citizens, I have gained ideas that I didn't think of while developing my hypothesis at my desk in the university. For example, that the media change can be observed in the artifacts in urban space. I spoke to a hotel owner who has a few autograph cards hanging on the wall in the entrance area of the hotel. The hotel owner told me that the small collection was no longer up to date. Actors would, unfortunately, no longer bring autographs. Instead, they would offer to make a selfie with them. If the hotel owner had simply sent me the photo of the autograph cards, as my survey design had intended, I would not have known about this effect of media change on cinematic artifacts. Through this and other experiences, one thing is certain to me. Theory and practice can be very far apart in a citizen science project. As a researcher, I now have to find answers as to how I deal with these changes in survey design in a transparent way. But the citizen science project was also worthwhile because objects were actually reported that I did not know about. Currently, I'm in the process of transferring the data to a street map. On April 5th, at the official Read a Street Map Day, I will offer a walk to selected cinematic sites in the city of Potsdam. I'm curious about the discussions that will arise. And in May, there will be a public evaluation of the street map. So in a few weeks, I will find out what kind of conclusion I will draw in the end. That was Film Studies Bling Bling. Next month, I'll introduce you to Gilbert Mozart-Atebe from the University of Johannesburg. I talked to him about two papers of his. The first paper is titled South African Cinema and its Depiction of Race, Gender and Class. The second paper bears the title The Rise of Film Production and the Politics of the Star System in South Africa. Until next time. <laughs>